available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, in studio together, we make the Podcast of Champions talking all things Pac-12 football. Yes, football. No hoops. No nothing else. We just talk Pac-12 football it's going to be a weird offseason, Dave, but you know we'll probably field a lot of questions about Disney princesses. The Boba Fett uh, series is coming. I haven't checked that one out yet. The true, the true season begins now. This is the real season. Okay, so you haven't watched Boba Fett yet. I have not, so we can't talk about I'm gonna it I'm going to say yet. this. I'll say this. Uh-huh. I feel the same way about it that I felt about The Mandalorian when it first came out, like the first couple episodes of that. And you, wait, you like? I thought you liked The Mandalorian. I did by the end. Okay, but you didn't like it at the beginning. Wasn't hooked. Oh, okay. And I'll say I'm not hooked. Okay, well, I'm going to check it out here at some point. Uh, But if you have any questions or comments, that's what's going to get us through this offseason, boys and girls. Pac12podcast at gmail.com. You can call or text us at 424-532-0678 or tweet us at Pac12podcast. The website, Pac12podcast.com. You can find all of our content from in-season and out-of-season. There's some really funny episodes there for you. And go over to Reddit, reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions. That's where you can discuss uh, the Conference of Champions with other POC listeners. And if you got the Apple Podcasting app on any of your devices, if you follow us at the POC Podcast of Champions, rate us with five stars, talk trash to us. We will still read it on the air because we just love those five stars. We got a couple of new ones. We got some new reviews. It's you been ready a while. for them? Yeah, I'm yeah. ready. After I uh, berated the listeners last week, uh, we have a couple new ones. Uh, this is from yet another Duck fan. Five stars. They called this fat and lazy. That's accurate. Five stars. Just remember, boys, that stars only matter in recruiting. Love it. Concise. Nice. Thank you. This is from Marl. Uh, five stars. Five stars for the best mediocre podcast. Even if rated at one star, this podcast would have more stars than BYU has Pac-12 championships. These hosts are knowledgeable and as academically prowess as Jimmy Lake. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Nice Very little callback to Jimmy Lake. Uh, yeah. The, the dearly departed. I know. I love like. There's going to be some fun... Old jokes. Like, you know, if you make a Jake Browning joke at some point, it's still funny. You know? Yeah, like, no. I, three I, years from now, there's going to be some good Jimmy Lake jokes. I, I mean, feel like we've, um, we've uh, you know, even if we, like, died suddenly in, like, a train wreck tomorrow, right? I think we've contributed to the Pac-12, like, headcanon about, yes. like, uh, some of these some of these players and new names and, and luminaries. They would the still be quoting some of the things that you said or, you know, or whatever. You know, like, when Chip Kelly gets that 10-year extension for $95 million, they'll be like... David Woods rolling over in his grave. He knew it should have happened. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you, you almost have to hope we die soon, right? Yeah. Just <laughs> before we before we live to become the villain, you know? <laughs> I think it might be too late. Is that know. a little grim? Yeah. <laughs> uh, a little grim, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, That's we, how we start here in the offseason. We start grim. We end light. We start grim. We will get, um, we'll line up some of the publishers probably after the 
the signing period because we want to kind of get a feel for yeah, yeah, no, the so rosters. What, what we're going to do is our song and dance where we talk about for a long time in the lead up getting the publishers on and then we forget to do it and forget to do it and forget to do it and then there's a period where we don't want to do it and it's like oh we got to email some people and then we'll get to the point where we like reach out half an hour before the show and have them each record a 30 second voicemail explaining everything that they did in the off season. That could happen for sure, but I think it's I think it's going to be I think we'll do a good offseason this with this, like heading into spring football. There's yeah. enough. I mean, there's some really interesting. This is also the time of optimism. We're going to be optimistic about how much production value we're going to put into this. You show. seem more optimistic than you normally are, which is it's a new year, not, baby. Not very optimistic. 2022. You're <laughs> Dave's happy when he's miserable. That's what that's <laughs> what I do. I'm only happy when it rains. Yeah, uh, I've heard that song before. Okay, let's see. We got a bunch of different. Um, News and notes we want to go over for the Pac-12. Dave loves this part of the show, but I, you know, I actually do. I love it. Um, Dan Lanning, he is a national champion. So Oregon, Oregon did not win a national championship. Let me be clear. So if you haven't been paying attention, he's the head coach of Oregon. He won a national championship, but it was with a different university. He stayed on. But Oregon took credit for it. Did you see that tweet? I didn't see that one. Yeah, no. they were like, all right, national championship winning <laughs> head coach Dan Lanning. Um, thoughts, Landanning. Anything? I love it. You like it? I think that's for the rest of the Great. tenure, for the next two right. years. Good land Danning. Um, he'll be there for two years probably. Yeah, yeah. Fired uh, or moves on, so, and then uh, he can be land Danning. Can I put all cards on the table about that national championship game? Yeah, congratulations to your Georgia Bulldogs. You're you know, a former resident of the state can, of Georgia. Can, can, can I put all cards? Congratulations to you, David Woods. Can I put all cards on the table? Yes. All right. I, I didn't watch the game. Oh, perfect! I, uh, you you I, wanted to talk about the game. I, I know, but I, 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 I was like, I was watching something else, and I was like, I'm going to give it 40 minutes because there's a chance this is just going to be, you know, that SEC like just terrible football game. Because I watched the version of this game that was actually fun and good, yes, which was the SEC championship game, and I'm like, this one might not be. You're hoping it's like not nine to six at halftime or something. It was nine to six, <laughs> and so like I saw it was like six to three for a while, and I'm like, okay, I'm glad I made a good choice, and then I like. Went back to it on the ESPN app at like midway through the third quarter, and it's nine to six. Mm. And I'm just like, I'm off. Yeah, like even if this gets good, I'm not doing this. I'm okay. not bringing this. And apparently, it got better. It did. It got better. Um, but I, I was not doing it. And I think, like all things considered, every iteration of my enjoyment of that evening, I think I made the right choice. It didn't look that good. Like it, I think a lot of people who were watching the beginning of that show got uh, beginning of that uh, game. Got like sucked in by how bad it was, yeah. And then at the end, it's oh, like there's there's some actual points. This is a good game now, and it's like, I mean, I'm looking at that final score. That's not a good game. Uh, I mean, there was enough drama the way the game played out, and you have the supervillain, you have the Death Star, you have Alabama, in the very, I think it was the first drive, like Bryce Young, sack, fumble, return for a touchdown. Georgia scores. Everyone's like going crazy. They review it. It's very Tom Brady esque. Like, oh no, he was he was going through his throwing motion. It was an incomplete pass. The TV cameras didn't even pick up the the fumble part, and the re- then you just show the guy almost scoring, and you're like, wait, what happened? You're like, oh my god, it was a sack fumble. Like Georgia's gonna like, and nope, they take it back. And then there was one the other way, and it was sack fumble. Alabama gets it, and you just sort of felt like things are just going Alabama's way. But you got to give credit, um, Stetson Bennett, who's not. You know the greatest athlete in the world. He's not. He's like five eleven or something like that. He played really well at the end of the 
at the end of the game and you know threw some bombs. Now his roster for the people that say, oh, stars don't matter. Like these are the two number one, number two teams in the talent composite. Because if you look around those rosters, that's ridiculously talented everywhere you go. And uh, it was crazy the amount of five stars that are on the field at once. But it did get better. They scored some touchdowns late when Alabama, I think, took the lead. And it was after that fumble thing. Uh, Georgia held them. They didn't allow them to score a touchdown, but you know they kept catching field goals and stuff. Uh, but I thought, yeah, I thought it was good at the end, and and it was a good story. You want to see someone else win? Georgia hadn't won since you know forty one years or whatever. And yes, they have talent up the ass, but it was cool to see a guy like Stetson Bennett who stuck around a long time. You know, get a win there. So I I think it's overall it was it was a good game. You know, Dan Landing, I thought you know he did a good job. Land Danny. Land Land Anning uh, did a nice job, so that gives you know the Pac-12 a little bit of a boost. You know, Oregon's coach, but um, yeah, overall I think it was it was a good one. It, I think you would have enjoyed like watching the fourth quarter and stuff. No, no, no. I, instead, <laughs> I enjoyed uh, Station Eleven, uh, which is on HBO Max. Great show. Oh, strongly recommend too. the uh, the the finale is posted posted today, I believe. So can go home and watch that after we record this. I need to get the HBO Great Max show. thing. I don't have that. Oh, you got to get it. You got to get it. Strictly watch the show. Uh, strong recommendation for anybody. It's a it's a post-apocalyptic uh, show. I love those. Yes. Uh, but it's also about like, it's it's two divergent timelines. It's, well, not divergent timelines. Two different timelines. It's it's the immediate post-apocalypse and uh-huh. then 20 years after. Ooh. Kind of going along back and forth episode to episode. Um Read a little bit about it. See if it's up your alley to start out with, and then uh, and it sounds then like watch it is. Thing. Uh, yeah, it's 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 beautiful. Just a masterpiece. Is there something good on Apple TV? Because like I was getting for all fr- mankind. I got it for a free year, and now I'm starting to pay. I'm like I canceled it, but like watch for all mankind. Okay, on Apple TV, this might really be up your alley. It's about um, an alternate space race where the Russians got to the moon first. Oh, I love that stuff. And it goes nuts. So uh, the first season like is Man at the High Castle kind of thing. Yeah, not that crazy, but like the first season is basically just Apollo 13, like 10 times over. Uh, but it's really good. Like it's all the NASA crap, but it gets a little bit more divergent towards the end. Um, second season really starts to diverge. And they've got like a seven season plan that has them like going into full sci fi stuff within. Oh, wow. It goes from literally like NASA, you know, working things out on like slide rules to everybody's got laptop computers in 1983 because the space race continued nice yeah it's um, uh it's it's very cool welcome to the off-season show everybody uh wait, okay two recommendations of stuff i've watched since uh kind of uh football season really ended and i've had a little bit more free time for all mankind station 11 okay strong recommendations for everyone out there i will check those out if uh, you hate it i don't want to hear it so that was the conclusion of the playoffs um <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. At the conclusion of the space race talk, whatever. But the playoffs, uh, there, there was another meeting of all the commissioners. Man, those are going well. If you don't know, uh, it is basically like Bob Bolsley, the, the 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 Big Twelve commissioner. Like he's like Shep in there, like the Three Stooges, is like spinning around in circles. Like he can't believe what's going on. Um, you, I, I love what George Klyovkov was doing. He tweeted out stuff like, "Hey, man, there the, people are saying that there's." There's commissioners that are blocking a lot of this, and the ACC seems to be the one that's blocking it the most, potentially because they want to go to eight. They don't want to go to 12 teams because that would allow easier access for Notre Dame, and then they couldn't get Notre Dame to join the ACC. So they want eight, so Notre Dame might need to join. Like, that's my understanding of this thing. But, um, 
you know, they were saying that other conferences are holding this back. George Klyakov's like, hey, you know us, we'll we'll do anything. We want to expand, which makes sense. You want to expand this thing. Um, so it's a really weird situation. I gotta now, I gotta push back on that. They're gonna meet again. I gotta push back on that for a man Andrew, which is you don't have to expand. You oh. don't. You really don't. You really don't. What's gonna end up happening if they expand is that the SEC is gonna get half the teams and then they're gonna have like the full final four to themselves. Like that's gonna happen pretty As often. opposed to the, just the finals. Well, I mean, that's happened what, twice? I don't think this is going to be like what other two teams would make it from the SEC this year. Like there's this not, year was like a down year for the SEC, right? It was very top heavy. But like in a typical year, I mean, there's going to be like an LSU or a Florida or a Florida or a potentially. Or a, but I think I think there's at least some opportunities out there. I mean, there's yeah, that would be that so. Would, like I guess what I'm saying is, is it is the Pac-12 are their odds significantly improved by having one team in a 12 team playoff? against four or five SEC teams or having a chance to actually get a good team in there with a four-team playoff? I mean, I'm, I like the expansion. I would like to see more of it. But you, that we differ in that. Yeah, I'm but just saying. Playoff, I'm just saying, George, our you don't have to do it. Our commissioner wants it. You can walk it back. Uh, but he's he's tweeting out there like, hey, we want to do this. Um, but there is still pushback. They're going to meet again in a couple of weeks. This is just... Yeah, it's all it's like kindergarten. It, they're, they're going to expand at some point, um, but it's going to. It now looks like it's not going to happen at least until twenty twenty six. Yeah, so that's when the contract is over. But they're hopeful to get something done before him. But the way it's going, it's just not. Yeah, and uh, the Pac twelve. I think the Pac twelve doesn't. They can't be the stick in the mud. They don't have enough power to be. And I think if they might be worried about their positioning if they decided to be the one in opposition to a playoff expansion anyway. Yeah. I think if the ACC can acquiesce, then we might be able to get there, but they've been pretty mm-hmm. like, they don't want to do 12 apparently. And right. apparently the reason is they want Notre Dame to come in. So they want some leverage for that. Yeah. But Wilner had a good article about this where it was basically like, since the playoff won't be expanding, there's some stuff the PAC 12 needs to do. And I think the number get better. One, well, yeah, I mean, get better. I think is the, be I mean, better at the football. Well, fundamentally they need to get just the, and I think they're working on it. I mean, Washington upgraded its coach. USC upgraded its coach. You could make an argument. We'll see what Oregon does. Both those teams were four and eight, by the way. Yeah, Landanning might be an upgrade over Mario Cristobal. Could uh, be, yeah. As a coach. Uh, maybe not necessarily as a recruiter, but he's 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 hired a pretty hell of a good uh hell of a good uh um recruiting staff. But hmm. um coaching improvements will somewhat naturally lead to play play improvements. But um I liked his uh, Wilner's idea of the only way you can go to eight right now is if the Big Ten agrees with you and they go to eight and you come up with a scheduling agreement between the two conferences at the same time. Um, right, yeah. And that probably wouldn't be until the twenty. Eight conference games you're talking about, not eight right. teams. Eight conference games. Yes. Um, and the only way to do that is uh, uh, probably at the end of the Big Ten's current TV deal, which I think is up in 2023, um, and then see it if... It might be 22. For 2023, sorry. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. But... Um, get them to agree to it in their TV contract that that is a better revenue stream for them. And I think it probably would be because you then are attracting two footprints, especially instead of like whatever, Illinois, Wisconsin, you're getting Illinois Cal. Um, yeah. You might get a little bit more juice out of that. Yeah. So we'll see. Maybe we'll know more in a couple of weeks, but don't hold your breath if you're really hoping for playoff expansion. And if you just want to stick to four, you know, you're, you're sitting pretty right now. Uh, some different news around the conference, uh, the individual teams, the Chip Kelly contract, I think Tracy over Tracy. at Bro, Tracy Pearson over at Bro, 
covering the Bruins for quite a long time, wrote something that the contract was close, getting close. close so are we baby. getting our ten years, ninety-five million? Is he going to like get a discount at ninety million? I think what it's going. Years? I think it's going to be a situation where nobody is happy. Uh, Chip Kelly, UCLA fans. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to be happy. Which I think, you know, as as far as extensions go, that's probably. Look, here's here's my thing on UCLA and extending Chip Kelly. Um, if if it's taken this long to get it done, and you've had to play hardball with your coach who's entering his fifth year, right? Yeah. Fire him. You're overthinking it. Fire him. It's not worth it because you're now going to have a coach who's maybe resentful. You're like talking yourself into it. Yeah. Do you want that? Like, or or it's a situation where you feel like you got you know thrown over the barrel a little bit. Either way, I mean, if if nobody's feeling great about it, if nobody's feeling good enough about it to sign it earlier than like what two days before he's a lame duck, then uh, fire him. Just wait the two days and fire him. It's not going to be that bad. You you don't have a buyout to pay. It's going to be zero dollars after January fifteenth. Yeah, like three days from now. Yeah, you could just wait and fire him. Um, but I I think there's just some nervousness about you know potentially who they could get probably, and also, um. You know, I think in, in, uh, there could legitimately be some concerns that there's blowback for firing an 8-4 and four coach. I don't think there would be. I think it would be the case can be made very easily that he has failed at this job. Um, I've, I, I make it on a daily <laughs> you, basis. You've made it. <laughs> um, but, like, in fairness to UCLA, it, it's, it's harder to do after 8-4. and four. Um, But if, if no one's if no one's this eager to sign, if no one is, if you're not eager to give him like an extension that he's eager to sign, and if he's not eager to sign your extension that you've offered, then just call it a day. Everybody yeah. call it a day. Why, Chip Kelly, why do you want to do this? I mean, I understand you're getting paid $6 million a year or whatever, but like, I mean, just, uh, well, I understand actually why he would eventually agree to sign anything. But UCLA, like, I, I don't know. I just pull it. Yeah. What, uh, do you, I mean, I joke about the 10 years. I mean, we can all hope, but it's, is it going to be a no, couple-year thing? It's like a five-year thing? I, I don't think they will have gotten put over the barrel. I don't think it's going to be like what the hardliners would like an extension to look like, which is like a reduction in pay. Um, I think it'll <laughs> like be a I, I think it'll be a, like a nominal raise, and I think it'll be a, a – so I think from a strategic perspective, because of UCLA and the way it works with the UC Regents, you have to continue to give raises to your head coach because the next head coach's salary is based on – well, what does that position get in the and to avoid region approval, it has to be within like 10 or 20 percent of the previous year's salary to avoid having to go back to the regions for approval. I gotcha. So uh, there's there's reason to continue to raise a head coach. Um, and so it would be stupid to just give him the same salary again. Um, you'd want to continue to raise him. The question is what the buyout's going to be. Okay. Because um, you don't want to reduce your your ability, your flexibility to make moves next offseason if the season doesn't work out. Because I think he's now on a perpetual hot seat. Yeah, that's probably the case. So until, he, he, until he does something very good. So you want the buyout to be reasonable? Um, something yeah. you wouldn't get something that you would be able to get done in an off season. And the problem is there's probably no more NFL payouts, right? Like that's probably ended. Yeah. I don't think he's getting paid anything by the NFL okay. anymore, but he was for a while. I think. Yeah. But that was uh, NFL, NFL deals. Aren't like that anymore. They're usually like four or five year deals, not like seven or eight. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll see what's going on. Chip Kelly. Speaking of UCLA, I know we're LA people, but this is where some of the big news is. 
Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson returning. Returning for his Bruins. fifth year. Yeah, he's going to set some career records for UCLA because this will be his fifth year of starting at least half the games. Yeah. If he starts at least half the games. Um, he's, uh, I think by the end of the year, he was probably one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the league uh, with Jaden Delora. And I don't know, maybe he was just right there with Jaden Delora. Who else was good? Nobody. <laughs> Cam Rising, but I think Cam yeah, Rising he was, was more of a, yeah. Uh, but Dorian Thompson Robinson comes into next year, I think, is one of the you know very best quarterbacks in the league. Um, should have a great year. It'll be interesting. So the the whole Dylan Gabriel stuff that was kind of interesting. Apparently, on the Oklahoma side, they had to push, and we'll talk about uh, um, Caleb Williams in a little bit. But it sort of was like, I guess Caleb Williams was like, "Hey, I could come back," and Oklahoma's sort of like, "Hey, we need to know because we can get Dylan Gabriel." Yeah. And so they had to do that the last minute. So I guess Gabriel signed the paperwork to go to UCLA, not binding for the player. And right before he enrolled in class, ends up going to Oklahoma. But I don't know if that was, was DTR going to come back either way or like, how was, how was that? What I heard initially was that UCLA was encouraging him to, you know, go to the draft. And I think thinking that he wanted to anyway. So I think there was like a mutual, like, Hey, yeah, you should go do the whole thing. And then I know I think Dorian, you know, went through the process and was like, I don't I'm not loving it. So why don't I come back? Um, and that was happening, I think, kind of separate from the Dylan Gabriel thing. I think the Dylan Gabriel thing was UCLA planning. OK, this guy's been here for four years. He's probably going. Yeah. Let's go get our quarterback. Um, and they've been pretty good at the transfer portal and acquiring guys. Um, and so I think it was kind of two separate things happening at once. Okay. Um, I don't think it was necessarily interlocking. Um but uh, the the interesting one is Caleb Williams because apparently he's still like looking at UCLA, which is very seems, strange. Seems very weird and stupid and kind of smokescreeny. Um, I can't imagine a reason why he would go to a school that is returning a fifth year starter at quarterback. Yeah. Um. But okay. Um. And he's also in looking, the same city as the former his right. Former head and coach. he's also looking at USC. Um. USC, which like. Is Mario Williams coming to USC now? Because didn't he just like look hard at Texas? It looks like he the the wide receiver from Oklahoma. It seemed like it was USC, and then and but it almost seemed like it was going to be a package deal. We've heard sources that were like, I mean, I talked to a Big Twelve source the other day that was pretty adamant that Caleb Williams was coming to USC. But we've talked to people that are like, it's definitely not an undeal. He could, I mean, so I I know there's some people that are thinking it's it's finished and I don't think that's the case. I think he could very well end up at USC. If I had to bet, I would say, yeah, I think I'd bet he'd end up at USC, but I'd see there's a bunch of scenarios that could happen. Well, um, let, let's talk about the USC news because Jackson Dart entered the transfer portal. He did. Um, and that's and, another reason why people are like, and oh. that's a really interesting thing because it happened kind of concurrent with, so Caleb Williams, when it initially came out that he was in the transfer portal, there was a lot of, oh, he's not in, he's not looking at USC, not doing it. He's, He's visiting L.A. for some other unknown reason. He's not interested in USC, which was probably always bullshit. Yes. Um, But anyway, there was a lot of talk initially that he wasn't looking at USC. Um, And then basically concurrent with the Jackson Dart news, it suddenly is like, oh, he's looking at USC and it's a hardcore look. And Crystal Ball started going in in USC's favor for him. Um, But Jackson Dart, out. He's in the transfer portal, the freshman quarterback who was the Gatorade player of the year coming out of uh, Draper, Utah. And was fine last year. 
Like it wasn't great. He was fine. He was he, fine. A lot of turnovers, but like dynamic. He would look really good in that Washington State game. USC's best win is when he came in when and he was hurt. Got hurt. I mean, he he, it, he was like playing. You know, not one hundred percent most of the year. He had surgery, meniscus, and then the, the end of the year, he's fine. Like it wasn't like, but you could see the potential in someone like that. Twenty four seven Sports has him. I think is the number three guy in the transfer portal, and Caleb Williams is number one. Like maybe the most high profile uh, transfer out there. It's one of those things where you have like a change in power, and I don't know how this was being sold inside the USC locker room. But there seemed to be early on like a lot of denial that like Caleb Williams and USC was like going to be a thing. And maybe when it started to come out that like there's some flirting going on there. So like it's like you're you're married, Mr. Woods, and then you're like looking at yeah somebody else and you don't end up hooking up with them. But your wife finds out you were still looking at them and you're like, oh, OK, so that's not going to go over well. And I this could be a situation like that. Um, and, you know, we don't know. I, I, there's going to be cases when a new coach comes in. Lincoln Riley said he's going to turn the roster over 30, 35 guys, but there's going to be some guys that go in the portal that you really wanted to stay, but they're leaving for whatever reason. And I think that's the case with Dart, but it's hard to say because um, right now they only have Miller Moss, another true freshman uh, as quarterback, and then Mo Hassan, who was the Vanderbilt transfer who right. had knee surgery last year. No, they're so, going to need to get somebody. In they the got to get somebody. Uh, obviously, if you get Caleb Williams, that's like, if they get like Caleb and Mario Williams, that's like a huge coup, you know, and they're just like, you have your number one receiver, number one quarterback right. right away. I don't think you needed that. Like there's roster spots you needed to get better in the transfer portal for USC for sure. I don't think quarterback was one of them, but who are, if you get Caleb Williams, it's a super upgrade. People are like, oh, is there going to be a competition? I'm like, no, if Caleb Williams well, came in, and he's if the, the starter. Like, and if the flirtation with Caleb Williams is what influenced Jackson Dart to leave, then it becomes imperative you get them otherwise you like yeah otherwise you really screwed up right um because jackson dart um i don't know I, I i'd have to look at the transfer portal again outside of caleb williams he's the best available so if best you don't quarterback, yeah. yeah if you don't get caleb williams you screwed up That's, yeah because you're not going to get someone you're not going to get somebody better dart could end up with lane kiffin at old miss that's one that'd of that'd be fun that would be That'd be a fun one to see. It sounds like West Virginia's in the running too, because Graham Harrell. See now, the, people talk about that, but I don't think he and Graham Harrell were like tight. Yeah, like him and Graham Harrell and Keaton Slovis were tight. Right. I mean, I think he liked liked Dart, but he liked Harrell. I mean, he liked Slovis the most, and I feel like the the pushing to play Dart didn't come from Graham Harrell. It came more from like Dante Williams. So I don't know if that's like the great. I I don't see that happening, but who knows. Other quarterback news. This Jay, is the weird. This one's crazy to me. It's so crazy. So Washington State apparently made a decision uh, sometime in the last couple of weeks that they were going to pursue this. What's his name? Cameron Ward. Ward from Incar Incarnate Ward. In Incarnate Word. Incarnate um, Word. Yeah. Uh, who was like the top uh, whatever FC FCS quarterback. It's an FCS school that's transitioning to FBS. Right. But they and have like 6,000 people. And he's apparently stadium. like highly coveted. He was going to be one of those guys who's like an FCS quarterback who gets drafted. Yeah. Like that sort of player. Um, so it's a coup, I think, for Washington State to get him. But the thing is, it's a coup if you don't already have a quarterback who's like really good. And my thing on Jade Delora is he's really good. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, he had a really good year last year. And like there were games I watched him where I'm like, he's the best quarterback in the Pac 12. Cameron Ward guy better be really damn good because Jaden Delora just transferred out and he's going to Arizona. 
And that's another thing, because we haven't talked about that at all. No, we could do a whole show on Arizona. We're going to do a whole show on Arizona. We will. We'll but, have Sheer on. Or... But holy shit, Jed Fish. Yeah. Remember, I was the one that was optimistic, and you were like, terrible, terrible, terrible. And I'm like, I just saw him at Pac-12 Media Day. I'm like, this guy's going to do well. Like, he's going he's gonna to make noise. He's going to do, like, the, just the, you know, Gronk catching the pass out of the, the helicopter. You're like, he's taking this in the right direction. I've been a fish head forever. You uh, have not. He is crushing this. Yes. Absolutely. At least crushing. on paper. At least on paper. No, but, like, it's not even on paper at this point because, like, the way he has upgraded that roster, this just this offseason alone, they're going to lose some games. They're probably not going to, I mean, they could be a bowl team next year, but with that schedule, probably not. But they're going to. Did you see the first three games for, you yeah. want to pull it up? It's like. <laughs> Like zero and three is a, a legit okay. So start with like, what I'm thinking with now. an upgraded all right, roster. All right, all right, so let's go Arizona football schedule 2022. It's, uh, it's unfortunate. Like all right, you played so, a bad FCS school last year. You're going to play the best FCS. All right, school. so I want to just let everyone know right now. So if you haven't been following, Arizona uh, has produced so far, and they still have room. Uh, but so far, they have the second best class in the Pac-12, and it's a close thing. They have a top 20 recruiting class yeah. nationally. Um. They picked up, so this is going to sound like piddling to the many USC and UCLA fans that listen to this, given the history of those two programs, but five four-star high school recruits this year. That's unprecedented for, for Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. Like, that is insane. And one of them is like a full-on top 50 elite guy who everybody wanted in the wide receiver McMillan. Um then yeah, you've got USC a guy, wanted them, Oregon, like all that. Yeah, everybody. like there are dudes in this in this class, um, and it's not just that. And they were one eleven in the transfer portal. They've picked up a defensive lineman from UCLA, uh, who UCLA liked, Tia Savea. They picked up Jaden Delora, uh, uh, immediate the, starting quarterback. Yeah, they picked up Anthony Solomon, who's a linebacker from Michigan, who was I think a four star guy out of high school. Uh, Jacob Cowing, who was um, I think he was at UTEP. Wide receiver, transfer, four-star in the transfer portal. Like, he was a productive receiver. Yes. Um, Hunter Eccles, who I always liked from a potential perspective. He never put it together at USC. But he's an athletic dude on the edge who's probably going to play a lot more at Arizona than he, he ever was going to at USC. I think he'll work in that system. And yeah. then DJ Warnell, a UCLA safety, who, again, he wasn't starting this year, but he was projected to be too deep next year at UCLA. Like he could be uh, for, again that Arizona team has been talent depleted. He could be a starter next year for yeah. Arizona. They're picking up starter level guys, and a lot of these freshmen I think are starter level guys for Arizona. They're going to be dangerous. Like I don't think they're going to be good. I think it's going to be a stretch to say they're going to be really good, but right. they could be. They're a filling a lot of holes. Yeah. Anyway, what we're looking at with the schedule. Yeah, that's the problem. That is the problem. Because what they've got in the non-conference right now is at San Diego State. And San Diego State's always pretty good. Yeah, on the road. They've got Mississippi State at home. Yeah, so Mike Leach coming, coming to Tucson. Coming to Tucson, which that could, go, that could be interesting. Um, yeah, it could be interestingly a blowout. This and stuff. This was, yeah. North Dakota State. The, Why the, are you doing this, Arizona? The, you lose to FAU. Like, which is a uh, bottom rung yeah. FCS school or not, whatever, maybe middle or something. You get the very best. The so, tippity top of the tippity top of the Here's the only thing I'll say about this non conference schedule is that it's three hard games, but it's neither of none of these games, I would say, are impossible games to win. Yeah. They're not, it's not playing Ohio State. You know, it's, 
it's a middle of the pack SEC team, a pretty good Mountain West team, and the best best FCS school. It's still just the best FCS school. It's True. it's a team that like yeah they regularly beat FBS opponents, but it's the FBS opponents who are the worst. Like it's beating Kansas. And Arizona was the worst last year, but I guess what I'm saying is with the roster upgrades they've made this season, I think they're going to be like, and I don't mean to sound like I'm being condescending here, I think they're going to be like a top 80 team next year. Okay. Like, I think they're going to be like, I don't know, what Cal was this year. That's a like huge that. improvement. Yeah. I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be hugely improved. they get improved. the five and seven, that's a big deal. Yeah, but I think they're going to be like qualitatively massively improved. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll definitely have to get Sheer on because that's one roster we have to dive into. Because holy crap, it's changed. It look it's different. completely changed. That's the transfer portal like life. Like you can you can turn things around pretty quickly, and uh, you got a tip of the cap to Jed Fish because he's doing good things. A um, little like running back uh, coach news. So Keel McDonald left Utah to go to USC. Uh, the running backs coach at Utah, so obviously had some some studs there. Oh, Jesus, we um, dropped down to running back coach news. Well, then Utah ended up hiring someone pretty quickly, Quinton Gather Ganther, uh, who was uh, at Utah before, and he went to the Jacksonville Jaguars, but he's back. So, um, yeah, Jarek Broussard just entered the transfer portal. Interesting. Uh, Colorado's losing a lot. Brendan Rice also. Yeah, Colorado. That's not do it. And and uh Stanford lost its two running backs, the two best running backs entered the transfer portal. I know Stanford got that great recruiting class, but there's still guys leaving. Like there's guys leaving well, every year. But what do you know about David Shaw? He's really good at integrating freshmen into a hundred percent, right? Yeah. Because it's really simple. Like it's really easy to pick up everything in that mm. offense, like in a single offseason. So I can't see any reason why that won't work out and this, immediately pay dividends. Yeah. Holy crap. It's uh Anyway, Colorado, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you hired Carl Durrell. I, I feel really bad for you, and I'll continue. There's to some teams that are not, like Arizona was bad this year, but they're going to be better. Like I think that's Colorado the thing is, is not going to be better. I don't think Stanford's going to be better. If you're an Arizona fan, yeah, you just got through a one and eleven season, and it sucked. But you've got to be so optimistic right now. Arizona State too losing some dudes, and uh, yeah, if you're so, if you're Arizona State, you're probably. I mean, uh, I mean next year, but. They're, After that, like no, it's not going to be good. <laughs> it's not going to be good next year. We'll see. Uh, so that's why we're gonna. We do need. We kind of talk about doing this stuff before, but it's not just the recruiting classes because of the transfer portal. These rosters are going to look significantly different. You know, with Stanford losing like your top two running backs, it's great. So what does it mean? You got the great recruiting class, but you're also losing. You know, how many guys are you losing? What how different is the roster going to look? So we do need to go deep dive into all these schools, and we will definitely do that. I promise you we'll do that. Don't worry. We will we'll get uh, these uh, the publishers on and talk about that. Why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back and answer some questions. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, we're back here on the podcast of champions. Um, Why don't we go to a voicemail? Because it was something we were just talking about, David. I'll play this one for you. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Perk. Um, Just had a few questions for you guys regarding uh, Arizona's recent success um, within their, their football's recruiting class. Um, one, I was wondering, have you guys, um, for a program like Arizona Stature, taking out the, the Pac-12 powers of like USC and Oregon, have you ever seen a coach um, come in and this quickly make that positive uh, of an impact in recruiting without having like tremendous success right away in year one? Um, and also, I was wondering with this class, do you guys still buy the hype that you need to be in a, a fertile recruiting ground just to be able to recruit well or, or I guess have a really good um, in-state recruiting um, prospects because that's the excuse that a lot of people give for like Tennessee and Nebraska falling off. But looking at Arizona's class, as much as Arizona has, uh, you know, good football players within the state, majority of their commits or the, the really good commits, the four stars are from California. So as much as you guys still uh, buy that excuse or if you guys ever did buy that excuse. Uh, thanks guys. I, I, I actually, um, I had the same question. Perk, um, and so I reached out to uh, an anonymous recruiting expert that yes. I have a connection with, and he said uh, they just recruit their asses off. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Fish is basically Stark Light. Uh, like they can just sell water. They they can sell. I don't know. No, not water in a desert. That's not it because you would you buy like, water in a desert. You could sell ice cubes to Eskimos, kind of. There thing? you go. That's okay. what I wanted to see. Okay. Uh, yeah, you can sell water in Waterworld. Um, right. No, but they need water, too, because it's a water world with seawater. Mm. Yeah, it's tough. Analogies are tough. Um, metaphors? Whatever. Uh, <laughs> anyway, figurative language <laughs> is difficult, Perk. Um, but I guess my point is uh, he's very uh, – that staff is very geared towards recruiting. I think he made some recruiting-oriented hires this offseason. Uh, Johnny Nansen, I think, paid dividends immediately uh, to get in Tia Savea, um, for one, but – uh, even before that, I think Fish has made it a huge priority in a way that we thought it was going to be a priority for Kevin Sumlin, but it wasn't. Um, and I think there's something to it when you get a guy like Fish who uh, wasn't talked about 
as a head coach, um, he's got that uh, 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 hunger, that desire that may not actually work out on the field. Like you can't just hunger your way to wins, but on the recruiting trail, if you have the desire to like really do it and get good at it and focus on it and you're a personable enough guy, um, a lot of guys, you got your Nick Sabans who are driven, but you've got a lot of coaches in college football who fucking hate recruiting. Mm. Like they hate it. They hate it so much and they don't want to do it. Um, if you've got somebody who loves it as your head coach, which I think is what Fish is approaching the levels of, like, he loves it. He yeah. wants to be good at it, and he wants to nail it because he recognizes the the talent issues. Um, it can solve a lot of problems for you. Like, it can solve your geographical issues. It can solve your placement in your conference issues. Um, I think they're just absolutely nailing it and uh, and being smart and strategic, but also just outworking people. Yeah. It's one of those things where if you and I walk onto the basketball court with Evan Mobley, you know, and uh, try our best, we, we work really hard, we practice for six months straight, he will absolutely destroy us. It doesn't matter, right? right. There's no nothing you could do. You know, an old Russell, broken down Russell Westbrook will just dunk all over us, like make us look right. like idiots, no matter how hard we work. The dirty little secret about recruiting is, it's more about effort than anything. Now you have things to sell, like you, whatever, but everyone has something to sell. And there's something positive about Arizona football. You can find a lot of positive things. There's yeah, you went one eleven. They still did all this stuff. Like you can overlook some of these things. A lot of recruits don't care about what your record is right now. Right. You're selling on what it can be when you get here, and you can turn things around quick. Like hey, you're gonna go. You're gonna be the star recruit for a one eleven team that goes to a bowl the next year and you're going to look like a freaking stud, you know, like there's a lot of stuff you can sell. You got Gronk and, um, you know, the desert swarm, whatever you could find, you sell it. And if you put in the effort, if you work 20, like I think Dante Williams said like, you know, 24 hours a day, like it's more than that. Like you're doing this all the time, like a lot like what Chip Kelly does. You're doing this all the time, (laughs) constantly. You're going to bear, like, it's like you're working the fields as hard as you can, as hard as you can you're going to bear fruit. Like you're going to get something, you know, you might get Brussels sprouts as opposed to like a pear tree, whatever it is, but you're going to get something positive if you put the work in and he's putting more than the the work in. I mean, they're really working hard at it and you see great results. Like the number two class in the PAC 12, because they put the work in and like, that's the weird part. There's just a lot of people that don't want to put that kind of work in. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, if it pays off this year and I think payoff doesn't mean it has to be six and six. Like I think payoff is four and eight. Sure. I mean, if it if it pays off and if they're four and eight, and essentially what they do is they turn like three of the games that were close this year into wins, and they're close in most of the other games, then it's another year of just selling, selling, selling and saying, Look what we did this year. Look what we did with these year this year with these guys. These yeah. guys are all gonna be a year older next year, and you're the pieces we are missing to compete for the Pac twelve South. And then you see it become a four and eight team, and then suddenly it's a nine and three team. Like that's the kind of jump that they can make because it is it's a talent game. And what they've done this offseason, like right now, even with freshmen potentially having to step into some starting roles, like McMillan's probably starting at wide receiver next year alongside um the dude cowing from uh the transfer from, yeah. from UTEP. But uh those two guys have Jaden Delora throwing them the ball. Uh Rayshon Luke's different is the offense gonna be. Rayshon yeah. Luke's gonna be playing too. And that dude I mean, that dude's a playmaker. I saw him I mean, if he's a dude I covered at St. John Bosco, like 
and Arizona's got him. Like I filmed him for USC purposes. Right. Like, that means he's a dude. Like, right. I wouldn't no, like, be there he, watching him if he wasn't a dude. He's drawn favorable comparisons to Demetric Felton. And Demetric Felton didn't see the field enough at UCLA early enough. But that was because UCLA had a lot more talent than Arizona does the right NFL now. now. Yeah. Exactly. Arizona's going to be playing Luke a lot from the beginning. Um, whether it's out of the backfield, whether it's in the slot, whatever it is, they're going to be using him a lot. Um, and they're going to have Jaden Delora throwing him the ball. Now, who's going to block? I don't know. Like, I, I think they're still figuring that out. Sure. But there's a lot to like about what Arizona's putting together just simply for next year. I think it's going to be a really fun team to watch. And then they're really going to have something to sell. Like, I, if I'm ASU, I'm like, oh, shit. Right. Because this should be what ASU does. Because ASU is an easier place to recruit to. Yes. The 100%. fact that ASU isn't doing this is, I think, a major concern. I they think did some parts of it, but they just weren't doing it full. Like, you got a few good wide receivers. It just wasn't. Well, it and was, then last year, now yeah. it's like a mess. Well, so. it's what it felt like they were doing, but it's, um, I don't know. Like, the level of energy you're seeing around Arizona is just different from even what you were seeing when Antonio Pierce was really cooking at ASU. Yeah. It's just different, man. But, uh, yeah, again, more Arizona stuff, but good stuff. Thank you for that perk. Um, our buddy Frank in Sacramento wrote in. He said, sorry for my bad take on John Madden, but this is funny. And he sent us a YouTube video of uh, uh, Frank Caliendo doing John Madden. This was like 2007. A lot of Brett Favre in there. It was on the David Letterman show. It's pretty funny, so if you want to Google that. But we, right. we also got a text from Jay in New York. He says, hey, guys, I was at the Rose Bowl. Despite the Utah loss, I was really happy with the game and experience. His question, after that last touchdown by a walk-on quarterback to tie the score, do you think Utah should have tried for the onside kick? My thinking is that there would either be, one, they'd give Utah the ball with a chance to win the game, or two, give uh, Ohio State a short field that they use less time on the drive to retake the lead. There was almost no chance that Utah was going to prevent Ohio State scoring that last touchdown drive, so a regular Kickoff seemed to doom the Utes, and also Utah had about 80% of the fans at the game. Is that normal for Pac-12 schools to out-travel Big Ten schools uh, to that game by such a wide margin? Jay in New York. I, I see the argument, Jay. I think the reality is you're never going to get a defensive coach to make that call at that point in the game. Yeah, like I think he's going to trust his defense, and it's Kyle Whittingham. He's just going to do it. And like to force a stop in a college football game, it just requires college kids making a mistake. Like, and Ohio yeah. State's a high powered offense and they're really good and their quarterback's really good. And I get all that, but it requires somebody dropping a ball. Um, and it just didn't happen. And it didn't happen much in that second half. But I think Kyle Whittingham's like, they got to drive 80 yards. And I, I think it was, I'm trying to remember the game now. I think the kickoff got returned pretty far. Like, I think there was a decent return on the kickoff I, yeah, to start out with. I don't remember exactly. Um, and then uh, it just kind of devolved from there. But, yeah, you could make an argument that you onside kick it there or that you go for two and just play really aggressive at the end and, like, go for two and then do the onside kick because you're either having to make up a point or um, you're ahead by a point, which isn't going to matter anyway. Um, I don't know. I think I – don't, I don't like the onside kick uh, idea, Jay, but – I do think that, you know, you kick off and you can play in a really aggressive defense, like trying to get a sack, try to force a negative play. Don't play back. Don't let Ohio State matriculate down the field. Maybe they make a big play on you. And if they do, fine, but then they score quickly, you know, so you sort of like force them to score. You can't let them do what they did, which is take a long time to score and then leave you with nothing left. And when it gets to the point where, okay, they're going to score, let them score and then let us come back and our offense was moving too. So I, I don't like the onside kick idea, but I do think you could have played super aggressive on defense and just, oh, if I give up a bomb, I give up a bomb, and then we get the ball back. Right. And then for, you know, for 
a lot of times it's the Big Ten school that has more fans because they're like they want to get out of the frozen tundra to come to Southern California. But this was Utah's ever first ever, and Ohio State's been to a whole bunch. So I think that Utah was, just travels anyway. They travel well. Yeah, uh, but it was a great show. That's in a there. fan base, and also Utah's got a lot of SoCal-based fans. I've learned that over the years too. Yeah, there's a bunch. All right, uh, this is from our man Thomas, and holy crap, boy, is it long! Uh, holy, cow. the spirit of '85. <clears throat> Hi, Ryan, and hopefully Dave. Uh, after listening devoutly to the podcast throughout the season, I was completely blindsided by Jeremy the Stanford fans' hypothesis about their declining in recruiting being tied to the creation of an early signing window in December. Of course, I recognize that Dave will likely dismiss any additional discussion about this out of hand as revisionist history in the absence of a certain strength and conditioning coach, but it is undeniable that the Cardinal are changing their ways. This year was the first time ever that football recruits were allowed to enroll early on the farm. This change now, uh, now allows the university to guarantee athletes committing in the early signing period admission to the school without having to wait for the regular decision date later in the spring. Nevertheless, with POC listeners being at risk for mediocre episodes without enough quality content until signing day, I thought I would take more than a minute to suggest that actually an even better example of Jeremy's hypothesis involves the fortunes of Dave's and mine very own alma mater. You see, Woods was still but a glimmer in his wonderful father's eye, i.e. 1985, when the UC system first changed its admissions policy to allow someone to apply to multiple campuses. Prior to this, high school students would apply to the University of California in November, rank their choice of campus, and then learn in March which school they were headed to. This system conferred a huge advantage on student-athletes who could bypass the lottery stage by committing in February. And wouldn't you know, the years right after the new admission policy was adopted just happened to be the pinnacle of Terry Donahue's coaching success at UCLA. Okay. I didn't really know that. I'm not really following what he's saying. Um, do you want me to take over part of it or no? No, I'm, I'm going to oh. read the rest of it. Okay. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I'm reading what he's saying. I, right. I'm not following what he's I'm trying to get it. At. I'm trying to okay. get it. Okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Uh, more tellingly, though, is that after 1985, the UC system still retained a program of affirmative action that allowed students of color to be admitted with the lower uh, GPAs and SAT scores, the SAT scores than those who were not. This became more and more important for recruiting, not because the athletes were less deserving academically, but because the admission standards at all UC schools, but especially Cal and UCLA, started to skyrocket as more and more students would apply to more and more campuses. As many listeners are well aware, though, California voters subsequently overturned the use of race-based preferences in university admissions in 1996, resulting in a new admissions policy in 1998. And as Ryan Giddily remembers, this year marked the high tide of UCLA's football history. The Bruins notched not only their eighth straight victory against USC, but also were a fumble away from making it to the first BCS championship ever. The Regents, meanwhile, retooled its affirmative action to be based on the location of the school and the composition of its student body. But this ended up revealing how weak UCLA had in how weak UCLA was in recruiting players from inner-city high schools while making it harder to reach those student-athletes who would have been able to be admitted just a few years earlier. So what am I getting at, though, you ask? The trends that UCLA witnessed in the 20th century have now come to dominate all of college football in the 21st. The winningest programs still today belong to the schools where it's the easiest for anyone, not just athletes, to get in. As much as success on the football field have fueled the economic rise of places like the University of Miami or even USC, both find themselves playing catch-up in the arms race to make the college football playoff, often relying on subsidies from other revenue streams. While the assumption is that the lion's share of new spending will go towards inflated salaries and fancy new buildings, the truth is the Pac-12 needs to take a page from Stanford's playbook. Resort fee George must advocate that each school sell not only the regular bells and whistles, but the academic heft of the conference as a whole. Yes, naive as that may sound, it's time to accept that Jimmy Lake was right about one thing. With that Pac-12 ra- recruiting, academic prowessy inness is a feature, not a bug. Keep wearing those rose-colored glasses in the meantime, Thomas. Ooh, well done on that one, by the way. That was a, I, that was a I, long one. So uh, his argument... Um, at least from what I gather here, is that um, the UC system allowed a policy 
that allowed people to apply easier. And for some reason, this applied to student athletes. I just don't think it, that's the case. No. Right? Like, and then the second part is about affirmative action. Here's the deal with um, UCLA. Okay. So Stanford's the only school in the league that actually has real academic standards. UCLA has a little bit. Like UCLA, you can't... I'm not going to say you can't, because a few guys could, but... Fewer, most maybe guys, fewer guys. Most could. guys can't get in with, like, really shitty grades and really shitty scores. Like, they can't. Um, they will get denied. But, like, the minimum UC standard is still workable for most athletes. Like, there's not actually a huge pool of athletes that UCLA is missing out on. That's a misnomer about UCLA. Cal's even less. Like, Cal, they were able to get in guys during the early 2000s that UCLA wasn't able to get. Oh, yeah. Deshaun Jackson and Marshawn Lynch could not get into UCLA. And I'm not even knocking those guys. I'm just saying they couldn't. There was a dude, the, the Rus- was it Russell White? Or, like, he ran for, like, 300 yards against USC, and, like, USC didn't get him in, and Cal got him in, like, a Prop 48 at the time. Right, like- and Cal was able to do this stuff. So it's not a UC system thing. It's a UCLA thing. Um, and UCLA, I think, has... Uh, there's always this element with UCLA that I think Cal avoids by being the rival of Stanford, but UCLA tries to be Stanford in some ways. Um, and I think, well, right now with what they're doing with their COVID policies is trying to be Stanford. Um, and I think um, with this, there's some of that academic element, but it's not what it is at Stanford. Like they're not doing what Stanford does. Like they are letting in minimum qualifiers. Like I, I, I'm not going to say the name, but there was a star UCLA player in the last 15 years who was like flunking classes in high school. Like this still happens. Like there's yeah. still the guys are still allowed to get in with the right pretty massa- much everywhere in the country with the right massaging of yes. the admissions committee and the whole thing. Like and you don't get everybody in. You've got to be able to balance it out. You've got to have some really high level academic guys. But like there's an understanding even at a school like UCLA, there's an understanding that there's got to be allowances made. Um, so. I like the theory, Thomas, but it's not that. The The reason the Pac-12 struggles in acquiring talent is demographics and geography. That's fundamentally the main issue. Yeah. And we're always going to be fighting that, and that's always going to be the case. And it's gotten worse over time. Like, L.A. is not – California generally, but L.A. especially, is not what it once was. Um, fewer people play football now. Sure. Um, and a lot of it's been co- become very concentrated in a few different schools as opposed to, w- like, a widespread area. Like, a lot of the, like, L.A. high schools that used to be, like, big-time football powers are no longer. And instead, it's modern-day St. John Bosco, like, I don't know. Corona Centennial. Corona Centennial. Uh, Servite. Some stuff up in Westlake, and that's it. Yeah. Um, And if you're not, like, one of these big, private, like, religious schools, you're not getting players. And it's easier, then, for schools outside of the region to just say, okay, well, we're going to make a recruiting trip to L.A., and we're going to visit modern-day in St. John Bosco. And we're going to pick up some players. It's easier. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that one, Thomas. There's a lot of many, many words. Uh, many words. One. Many um, words. But, I, I don't. But for I don't, Stanford, maybe it's better. Like they can. It, they don't have to wait for the admissions process. If they, that could be a real. I, I thing. think it's a factor. I think it's a factor. But I also know that Stanford used that to avoid having to make quicker evaluations. Like I know that that was actually an advantage for them at different points where they could kind of drop guys a little bit late. But if they picked changed. up if they picked up good guys later on in the yeah. cycle, like they'd use that a few times in the early Shaw era where they would drop guys in January because they got somebody better and they didn't want to continue with the process. Yeah. So, uh there's some advantage and some disadvantage there. 
We got one from Mike in Oakland. Uh, downfall of NCAA football. Hey, Ryan and Dave, given the advent of the transfer portal and NIL money, what are the odds of college football morphing into more of a club sport that is loosely affiliated with the schools and more of a, of a developmental league for the NFL with semi-pro players while making some cash for each university? Thanks, Go Cougs. Go Cougs, Chip Kelly rules. Mike in Oakland, he says, P.S., I like the old college football with student-athletes that would play for a school for two to three years before moving on. I'd say this is one of my like things that I've often thought it would eventually morph into. Really? I totally don't. But. Yeah. Um, it was my concern with uh, the money coming in. I still think it, you, you let the money come in no matter what. Because it's got to go to the players, it should stop being held in the hands of the universities and the coaches. Um, but uh, I think there's a logical endpoint where that is. It's essentially once the N- NCAA is dead, because the NCAA is what I think is um, still uh, uh, holding the line for amateurism at some level. Sure. Um, and associating this with the universities at like a very fundamental level, like you're still going to school. But if the NCAA drops out of it, like it. I, I don't know. It's not that huge stretch of imagination to suddenly make it like, do these guys actually have to go to school? Like, do they actually have to like, or that, can they just represent the university? And I don't know if I think that becomes a little bit like, I don't know, weird. Like you're suddenly just watching yeah. young, young guys play a sport that yeah, they're I, not affiliated with the university except being hired by them. But that's more equitable at a certain level. Um, but it's also like, yeah, but I don't know. College sports are weird. Like other other countries don't do this. No, we don't, they don't have like the college. Yeah, model. like it's 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 um, minor leagues for the pro teams or like club teams for the universities. Like, but that's it. I think you could do. I I have a hard time picturing not being student athletes, but I feel like we have married student athletes and amateurism because of the NCAA for so long. I don't think the amateurism part has to be part of it. They're student athletes. They're going to school. But they're getting paid too. You know, I could see that happening. Where, but if you're just going to be like some club thing, I don't know if what makes college football great and the passion that the you know a lot of these alumni or just fans of schools have is like he's going to school where I was going to school. Like that's part of uh, what of this allure is a lot of times. So if they're not even going to school there, I don't know if you're going to have a if it, if Agreed. the team's going to mean much. Yeah, you know? that's the thing is I don't know that that I think that. Um it ruins something essential about college football, I think. I just don't know if that's a very um, – I, <laughs> I want to internally review that attitude because I don't know if I'm just being like kind of uh, – I want it to be like I want it to be um, and whether that's even right, you know? Like, yeah. And, but like also, like, okay, well, what's the alternative? That this doesn't exist? And right, I mean, is the, is the NFL going to like uh, – I guess they'll just start tapping into a pool of 18-year-olds and develop their own minor league – and that'll be less enjoyable. Um, yeah, no one's going to care if there's just like a And it'll be fewer guys getting the opportunity to try. Because that's the thing right now is um, there's, whatever, 130 FBS teams. And there's countless FCS teams. And some percentage of even the FCS guys end up in the NFL. Like, they end up getting a shot. Yeah. And if you reduce it to, like, a minor league team for each NFL team, right? Which is what it would be if it's actually controlled by the NFL, which is, I think, the end result. There's going to be a way less be. people. And It'd the, be way fewer people with an opportunity. And there's guys that are like 250 pounds when they come out of high school who end up 330. Um, 
Yeah, four years later, and then they're stud, you know. But like, are you going to give that guy a chance if you're a developmental league? In exactly. NFL? No. So there's a, um, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's tricky. It's tricky to think of the implications of it all. But yeah, I do, I, I think that I think I can j- basically say that would be a diminished um, experience. Yeah. We got one more voicemail and then a couple more emails. Let me play this one for you. What's good, guys? This is Evan from Tempe, and I'm um, calling about this double standard that always happens with the USC fan base, where like. If USC ever says, oh, you know, the Trojans have been underachieving these past few years, you know, they need to be better, you know, this is not acceptable. They should be competing for championships every year, national championships every year. All these other Pac-12 fans are like, oh, my God, you guys are so spoiled. You guys are so arrogant. Oh, my God. You guys are so arrogant. You, how could you do this? You guys are a bunch of idiots. You're so spoiled. Like in 2020, they're like, oh, you guys won every regular season game. You guys are just mad because of one loss. You guys are so arrogant. But then, for instance, in 2020, when they lost that one game in the Pac-12 championship, they're like, oh, my God, USC underachieved so much. They should be so much better. They should be winning national championships every single year, and they should be winning every single game. They have all this tradition. They're so amazing, and they can't even win. Ha, ha, they're so irrelevant. Oh, my God. And so I just don't really understand how, like, USC fans can say, are not allowed to say that they should be performing better, but then other Pac-12 fans are allowed to use it as a roast and just talk about how USC should be so much better and, and they're so relevant now and all that stuff they say. I just think it's a it's a dumb thing they do. So uh, just want to know what you guys thoughts on that. Thank you. <clears throat> um, allow me to you go uh, ahead, David. to say that uh, USC fans, USC as an institution, can be roasted for anything. It doesn't matter. They should always be roasted. Doesn't matter. It could be both sides of an argument. It doesn't matter. Who cares? It's USC. Born on third base. Gives a shit. Nice. Well put. I think just we saying. Could, I'm just yeah. saying. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not worried about what fans argue about and stuff. It's just yeah, like, what a USC attitude. See, Ryan's got it. Well, actually, to be fair, like the, the arrogance, the care. arrogance of the peak the of the ivory really tower. Don't care. Like, yeah. yeah, but they do expect to to win. And now that they have a good coach, I think they're going to expect to. You win. You know what the dumbest um, roast of USC fans, and also UCLA to an extent. Um, it happened a few times, but um, that I noticed. But like when fans jingle the keys, right? Like what? Like what are you roasting them about? That they all have cars? <laughs> Like, they all have nice cars? What is that? How is that a roast? That was UCLA doing that, though, I thought. Well, they, they do it to UCLA, too. I think it's an L.A. thing. Oh, and I'm maybe, just like, yeah. uh, what is this? Like, this is why stupid. do you go to college? Like, probably get a job and make money and buy a nice car. Like, well, I'm just like, you're what, doing like, what we want to do. But, like, you're, you're like, oh, they're rich. Like, okay. <laughs> like, I don't get it. Um, so, anyway, uh, yeah, roast USC for everything. Thanks, Evan. All right, this is uh, Chris from NC. If you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back at you. Good sirs. Given that Dave's tweets can make Friedrich Engels look like Barry Goldwater. Wait, I don't know who either of those people are. Is that Should I? Yes. Uh, Friedrich Engels was Marx's co-writer, co-philosopher okay. on communism. Karl Marx is what we're talking about. Sure, the, sure. the co-writer. And right? I make Engels, who was a socialist, an ardent socialist, look like Barry Goldwater, who is one of the most conservative uh, U.S. politicians in the last few oh, okay. years. Okay. I've heard of him before. Yeah. Okay. I didn't, know, I didn't know Marx's co so I make I make uh, one of the co-authors of a lot of Marx's philosophy <laughs> look like an ardent conservative. Is, gotcha. Is okay. Point yes. Here. All right. I am both alarmed and concerned that he unironically. So I didn't unironically. I ironically quoted William F. Buckley last week, standing athwart history, et cetera, et cetera. I believe this means that one of the seven seals has been opened, and that the college football apocalypse is nigh. <laughs> William F. Buckley. Do you know him? Yes. Okay. okay. We're good with that. Okay. Good. good. 
For years, Alabama and now Georgia have been holding the entire sport hostage. Commentators seem to think that a Lincoln-Riley-led resurrection, or perhaps a recrudescence, of the USC program is one of the few potential counterbalances to their national dominance. My question is, do you think this is true? And if so, what have we done to deserve this? I'm a UCLA fan living in the South. My wife went to Auburn. I root for the Bruins and the Tigers. I need you to tell me that I'm not staring down the barrel of a world run by Alabama, Georgia, and USC. Please, I need you to tell me. Tell me it's going to be okay. With sincere, desperate pleas for comfort, Chris from NC. Hey, Chris. No, I think you're right on. I think it's going to be a college football world ruled by Alabama, Georgia, and USC. The good thing, UCLA, Chip Kelly will be tied up for the next 10 years. So that's good for you. You'll have your coach for a really long time. But I think it's one of those things you sort of like live with where it's like, okay, Alabama's really good. Georgia's really good. And USC's really good. You know, 10, 15 years. You can get through that, I think. So good stuff. Um Here's the, 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 the reality, down, Chris, is that it's going to be ruled by Alabama and Georgia for at least a little while longer. USC has a lot, a lot, a lot of work to do to get into that level. And frankly, I mean, I'm just going to say it. I've been whelmed so far by Lincoln Riley's recruiting mm, impact. Not overwhelmed. I haven't been overwhelmed. I haven't been underwhelmed. But right. like the transfer portal, mm, been Okay. What happens if they get Caleb and Mario Williams? Then it suddenly, uh, then I get a little overwhelmed. But right now I'm well. Right, right. And the class of 23, like, is. It's, it's shaping up pretty well. Yeah. It's like, looking pretty they good. They could potentially have the number one class. But I was expecting, so honestly, like, I'm, I'm not even like being. Right, right. I was expecting the roster to turn over with, like, literally every single good transfer portal acquisition, like, out there. And it hasn't. Like it's been no, fine. No, yeah. It's been it's been okay. Like they're getting some pieces. They it's need. like steady progress. It's but, steady but, progress, yeah. but not like I was expecting him to hit the ground running and be like basically provide the energy of Jed Fish, but with the recruiting cachet of USC. And it doesn't seem like that's what's happening. It seems like it's good. It's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm not seeing they're going to be a national championship contender next year. So I think it's mostly to give guys like Chris hope, and then <laughs> just dashed away like oh Caleb Williams, Mario Williams. Um, Chris, yeah, uh, keep writing to us. Let us know how that's going. Hopefully, we'll yes, see. Yeah. Chris, appreciate you. <laughs> nice. Uh, I think we have one more. It's a text message. Uh, looking forward to next season. I think USC and Arizona will be the teams that look the least like they did this year, both in a good way. Who do you guys think will have a wildly different outcome next versus last year, good or bad? Also, super impressed with what uh, Jetfish is doing with that roster. They have to be a bowl team next year based on the Delora and offensive weapons alone, right? Thanks to both of you for the pod. Look forward to it every week. Didn't leave a mess, uh, name, but thank you for looking forward to the pod, and thanks for the message. Um, I don't know if they'll be a bowl team, Arizona, but like you said, four or five wins would be pretty good, especially with that out-of-conference schedule. Yeah, I think the teams that are going to look the most different are going to be Arizona, uh, USC, and then maybe Oregon. You think Oregon Oregon could look similar, I think. Like Washington could look different. I don't know how different Washington's gonna be next year. Four and eight? Like they gotta be I, I, no, I, I don't know how qualitatively different they're going to be, though. Like I, I just it's um they've lost some pieces. I don't know how good the recruiting's been. Like I, I just I, I don't know how I mean, the offense has gotta be it actual. should be better. Like, okay, fine. Washington <laughs> should look better. Um uh because i don't want our our numerous washington listeners to jump off a bridge like it's gonna be better it's just i i don't know if they're gonna immediately jump back to 10 wins uh, but, but 
Seven wins from four? Like, that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, all right, all right, right. They should look better. Um, But, like, Stanford won't be much different. Cal won't be much different. See, Stanford is bad, I think. Oregon yeah. State's going to look like it does under Jonathan Smith, which is pretty good. Um, Utah is going to be good all season, but whether that is... I don't think it'll be significantly different. Like, no. They're, like, what, 10 and four? Like, but they're going to be a real contender next year. They're probably going to be in the same realm. But they might be... I mean, obviously, if they make the playoffs, that'll be... I think they're going to be, like, the favorite in the league to yes. do that and if they do make the playoffs and i think you could say that they're that's even though you know going to the rose bowl and stuff but colorado's gonna be worse but you the they're so close to the floor already like it's how much like it's, and, it's and, stanford worse or a little better it's like colorado and stanford are still gonna be pretty butt like yeah just how what level of butt yeah i think it's uh, the arizona is gonna be the one that you're like whoa hey that team can play now. Um, USC, I think, is going to suddenly like what were they the four and eight this year? They're four and eight. They're going to be eight and four next year. Like, so I mean, it's significant change. There'll be a significant change for USC. Um, Here's one I want to. Arizona State won eight games. I don't. I don't, I don't know. That, I don't. I think I'm it's look like at their schedule could be five quick. and seven or something, right? Like, I don't. <sighs> Let's look. All right, so they go <clears throat> Northern Arizona. They're beating them. Okay. At Oklahoma State, mm, that's no. dicey. No, no, they're Eastern winning. Michigan at home, so it's two and one. Okay, non-con. Um, their conference schedule: they avoid uh, Oregon, okay, and they, they avoid Cal. Yeah, I mean, and their road games are at USC, at Stanford, at Colorado, and at Washington State, and at Arizona. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I probably look at some that. of the better teams at home. Utah's I'll, I'll at go home. seven and five with ASU, but I think. I don't know. The shine's off that one because it's like, are they really? Seven five is what they were. They're not going to compete for the South, I don't think. Oh no, they were eight and four and then lost the bowl game. Um, yeah, so they would be a little worse than last year, is what you're thinking. Yeah, it could be like a six and six. I don't know, but yeah, like it's they got some, you know, some of the tougher teams at home. Uh, we'll see. So who else would be significantly different there? Like, I think that's UCLA won't be. I don't think significantly different. Yeah, they're probably eight and four-ish range. Their schedule is really weak, so even if they don't replace running back or offensive line very well, the schedule is really weak. Like but if UCLA not, wins the South, goes like ten and two, or I mean, that's that's different. Yeah, nine and three is not significantly no different, but like nine and three, I think would be the like that's par based on this year because it's a it's a much much easier non conference. Right. Yeah, the the. Unless UCLA like goes eleven and one, it's hard to like get better and improve enough. But like you could, it would have to be like a five and seven season. Then it's like okay, that's significantly different than what, um, right? What we saw. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap things up. Um, good show. Everybody. Great show. Every all everyone in the room. Good show. Nice job. Good show. Good show. Hope hey, hey. Uh, sh- shout out. That guy over there. To our interns and uh, all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, we should take a picture sometime of all the staff that are like yes. just handing us things throughout the show. Like these news updates, these constant news Spotters. updates. No, it's not me looking at Twitter while Ryan is talking and I'm not listening to him. It's right. it's these people who are handing us notes who are yes. who are out there. Like we've got people just coming in the door throughout the show, bringing us stuff and saying, oh, mm. we just heard this on the street. Snacks. On these Pac-12 streets, this is what we just heard. Can we have him bring us beers too? I mean, we've got the guy, the guy who comes by. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, we should, yeah, like a vendor coming around, yeah. like with like <laughs> yeah. peanuts. Like, yeah. Get your peanuts Get here. Your souvenir program and all yeah. that stuff. Nice. Okay. Uh, well, let's uh, let's wrap things up. And yes, we will have some guests on and talk about the different roster movement. But you know, hopefully, there'll be some more newsy stuff coming up this week. For David Woods, I am Ryan Abraham. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast of Champions. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Au revoir. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.